And thanks to you all for being here today. Uh, we are in part two of a five-part series that we are calling, what are we calling this? It's on the back of your bulletin. We're calling this Rise, Healing a Divided Nation. And so before the presidential election, uh, we did a two-part series on God and country talking about, you know, you know, stuff leading up to the election, how we should think about this whole process and all that. And now this series is really dealing with the aftermath. The election has happened. Uh, the results are in. Um, Donald Trump won the presidential. Did you guys know that? He's going to be the president. Uh, he's going to be sworn in this week. And so now we're just talking about, well, well now what? <laughs> now what? The aftermath of the election. And as I mentioned last week, I was one of these naive people who thought, well, after the votes are done, after the votes are tallied, everybody will calm down and there'll be peace. Well, it hasn't exactly happened, has it? <laughs> so what are we supposed to do? What can we do to help heal this nation that seems to be very divided? At least it seems it seems to be divided. Last Sunday, for those of you who are here, uh, I talked about the X-Files for some reason. That was weird. Um, but really, we talked about the truth and how the truth is out there. And all of us, all of us human beings, we sort of have this little bit of a blind spot or we have this little bit of a weak spot where we just want certain things to be true. We want certain things to be true, and that can be manipulated. We can be lied to. We can convince ourselves of things that just aren't so. And when it comes to so many things, that can be a, a dangerous thing. When it comes to our politicians, when it comes to the government, when it comes to how we think about the people we're voting for, oh, yes, I want to believe the best about this person, how that can be a blind spot. And so we're going to continue on with this series today, and today's message is entitled Herd Mentality. Apparently, that's what we're calling that. Um, do you all remember, sports fans, do you all remember when the Phillies won the World Series, right? Even if you're not a sports fan, you probably remember that, right? 2008, correct? Yes, I'm not a sports fan, but I do remember this happening. It was a big deal. Um, even for someone who's not a sports fan, you start to realize, hey, is one of our teams doing pretty well this year? It's like, oh, this is interesting. And so I watched some of those last few games, and I was there watching that final game in the World Series when they won. And it was awesome. Wasn't that fantastic? And so I don't know about you, but in our street, we've got people blowing the air horns and banging pots and pans and car horns were honking, and there was just celebration going on and a wonderful kind of pandemonium. And it was great the next day. Everybody's in a good mood, and all the Phillies fans had their red on and all that, and you go into the Wawa, and people are being nice. They're not trying to run over you in the parking lot. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Hey, we're all champions, right? There was just great positive vibes going around the city. And if you're a hardcore fan, of course, you were excited, but even those of us who were kind of just on the outskirts observing this thing, it was fun to be a part of this. It was fun to be a part of a community of champions, right? Like, we weren't actually the ones playing the game, were we? Did I, was anybody on the team that year? No. They did the work. They won the game, but we had people supporting them. You had people cheering for them. You had people that just lived in a close proximity to them, and were like, yay, this is something to celebrate. We're all part of this winning community. Now, compare that experience to 2004 when the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. 2004, I think it was, right? You guys remember that? <laughs> now, again, not, not a big sports fan, but I did watch that game, and that was just that was a bad game from like beginning to end, wasn't it? If you're a Phillies or if you're an um, Eagles fan, it was a rough game to watch, and the next day, there weren't those same positive vibes around the greater Philadelphia area, were there? It wasn't the same. It was, oh, they should have done this, they should have done that, I can't believe this, this is embarrassing. And so, collectively, as a community, we were kind of brought down a little bit. It's kind of, it's fun to win together, but when you're part of a community, sometimes you have to, to lose together, and that's, that's tough. One of the things that I believe about all of us human beings is that inside of us, we have a need for community. 
a need for community, a need to be connected to something that's larger than ourselves, a need to connect with other people. And by the way, all this is coming to you from an introvert. I am an introvert. Um, I've taken the test, the Myers-Briggs test and all that. I'm like, I could out-introvert any one of you in this room. But even an introvert, even loners, even people like that, we still have this need to connect with other people, to connect with something greater than ourselves. And I believe that. And that's really one of the beliefs of our church is that, you know, no man is an island unto himself. You know, there's that song by Simon and Garfunkel, I am a rock, I am a... You guys know that song? Kind of ironic that that's a duet, isn't it? Hello. Like, no one is out there all on their own. We want to connect. We want to have somebody that we connect to. We want to have something bigger than ourselves that we connect with. And so we believe that we have this sense of community built into us, and we need to find a a way to satisfy that need. Additionally, I also believe that every single one of us, we're built with this need for mission. Now, this has been articulated in different ways, like a a need for meaning in your life or a need for purpose in your life, but I'm going to use the word mission. We have a need for mission. We need to accomplish something, whether it's, you know, a grand goal for your life in total or just a goal for your day or a goal for your career or a goal for your family. We need to have a sense of mission or a sense of meaning. There is some reason that I'm here. I'm working towards accomplishing something, whatever that is. If you're a part of a team, if you're on the village, you're working to win together, right? You're a community of people on a mission. A community of people on a mission. Now, your individual mission, it may be a big mission. Like, maybe your mission is, I want to be the best husband, the best father that Delco's ever seen. I don't know. Maybe that's a mission. Or maybe your mission in the workplace is, we're going to put our company on the map, or or we're going to make enough money to retire early. We have these different objectives, these different missions, these different things that we try to do to bring purpose to our lives. And so we have this need for community. We have a need for mission. We also have a need for personal identity, okay? I may be tiptoeing a little bit into like psychology or maybe sociology, and I don't really know too much about those things, so I'll admit that up front. But we have this need for personal identity. This is who I am, this is what I'm working towards, and this is what I'm a part of, right? Identity, mission, and community. This is who I am, this is what I'm working towards, and this is who I'm a part of, what I'm a part of. Now, that identity thing for so many of us in the United States of America and in the Western world in general, that identity can be tied to our jobs, Like, who are you when you go to a party, when you go to an event, and you're meeting new people? Oh, hi, I'm Josh. I'm a pastor. Of course, I try to come up with something else to tell people because that just weirds people out right away. But you identify yourself with your career a lot of times. Sometimes you can identify yourself with your family. Uh, A lot of times, locally, I'll identify myself with my wife because a lot of people know Holly around here. And when I introduce myself, oh, hey, I'm Josh. I'm Holly's husband. That's how I identify myself. And that's a great way to identify myself, by the way. Oh, lucky me, right? But there are different ways that we can identify. We try to find that sense of personal identity. This is who I am, and this is what I am about. So often, so many of us, we wear our, you know, our team jerseys or whatever it is. We're somehow identifying with this team or with that team. Or you wear a shirt that says something. Some of us have our Hope shirts, and we go out there and we wear our Hope community shirts. We're identifying ourselves with something, again, with a community that's bigger than just one person. And so we have this need for community, we have this need for mission, we have this need for identity, and I feel like most people, Christian people, non-Christian people, religious people, non-religious people, most people would agree with those three points. Here's, Here's the other point, here's the fourth point, and here's where some of you may start to disagree with me. I also believe that we have a need built within us to worship, a need to worship, to worship someone, to worship something. To look to somebody outside of ourselves and say, there's the one, there's a champion, there's a hero, there's somebody I need to admire, there's somebody who deserves my my praise, there's something else. Some kind of need inside of us 
to worship. And like I said, I feel like some people would disagree with, would disagree with me on that point, but it really depends on how you define worship, how you think about worship. Now, if you think about worship in the, in the way that a lot of churches use that term, if you think about it just as a group of people who gather together and stand up and look at a screen and sing some words or open a book and sing some words, and that's worship. If, if that's how you're thinking about worship, well, not everybody has a need to do that, right? In fact, maybe barely anybody has a need. I need to go stand and open a book and look at words and sing a song. Like, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about worship. When I think of worship, I think about something else. When I think of worship, I think about the Beatles. I think about the British invasion. Now, I wasn't alive during that time, but you've seen the footage, haven't you? The black and white footage where the Beatles come in and they're on the Ed Sullivan Show and the girls screaming, ah, passing out, oh, collapsing because the Beatles were there, right? Or you see that same kind of thing that happened with the Jonas Brothers or One Direction. And, ah! You know what? If you want to have some fun this afternoon, go on YouTube and look up Dads at One Direction concert. That's a fun thing to look up. All these girls are screaming, screaming, screaming. The dads are on their phone just kind of waiting for this to be over, trying to make themselves invisible. But that's like a worship thing. You see that kind of thing happen. When the Phillies won, we threw them a parade. And people went down there, and they went down in traffic, and they got on the train, and they waited for hours, and they got stranded into the city just to see these people. Yay, yay, yay. Now, you may say to me, well, Josh, that's not worship, but isn't it, though? Isn't it, though? And the last concert I went to, the last concert we went to, which was a long time ago before we had kids, it was a band I really wanted to see. And so we drove down to Virginia on a Sunday night, school, you know, work day the next day, school day the next day. So we drove down, and the band came out on stage, and before they picked up their instruments, we were, yeah, shouting for them. And you might say to me, Josh, that's just being excited. <laughs> that's just really liking somebody. That's, that's just appreciating somebody else's work. That's just being an admirer. That's just wanting to celebrate. And I say, well, yeah, isn't that worship? Isn't that what worship should be? And so I believe we have this need, a need for community, a need for mission, a need for identity, and a need to worship someone, something bigger than ourselves. The trouble is, where we find those needs met, how we find satisfaction for those needs that we have. Now, as I mentioned earlier, and as you are all already aware, uh, Donald Trump won the presidential election. But we saw a lot of scary things unfold in those days and weeks following that decision. You've seen stuff on TV. You've seen stuff on the Internet. Um, I remember watching the evening of the election. I tried to stay up all night, really, until it was over. I couldn't quite make it. But just seeing people from, I'm going to call them teams, Team Hillary and Team Trump, um, just seeing so many people in Team Hillary devastated, crying. Have you seen that? You've seen the footage of people just weeping broken, consoling one another, just inconsolable, cuddling around, crying and crying and crying, broken, devastated by this. You saw a lot of people who were just in disbelief. How could this happen? How in the world could this thing have happened? There's no way. It wasn't possible. We looked at all the projections. We looked at the models. There's no way. This just broken disbelief. You saw people who were very, very angry, didn't we? A lot of people who were angry over the results of this election, and we saw some rioting, we saw some fires, we also saw some protesting. And by the way, protesting, I believe, can be a wonderful tool when it's, when it's strategic and when it's logical, when it's pointed at an objective, when you have a clear objective, here's why we're protesting. We've seen protesting work. 
I mean, recently in Chicago, people go to their police department. I just was reading about this, and they're protesting and saying, hey, our police, they need better protection. They need tasers, and the police were like, and the police chief's like, hey, you know what? You're right. So like that kind of objective, clear, we've got a goal, we've got a strategy. Protesting can work, but there was so much protesting that seemed just to be born out of anger, and we don't know what to do with it. Anger, frustration. You know, you had people who were blocking off stretches of highway. What were they trying to accomplish? I don't know. They just had a lot of feelings and they were angry and they were frustrated and they're, they're willing to have, get themselves hit by cars because they just felt, so, they felt something. And we saw people, and this is just ridiculous, we saw people who were, who were physically assaulted, who were beat up in the streets because they voted for the other guy. Now let me point something out here. People on Team Trump, they have been quick to say, well, hey, Republicans and conservatives, we've never behaved that way. Okay. That may be true, but the fact is, we don't know what would have happened if Donald Trump had lost the election and Hillary Clinton had won. We, we don't know how Team Trump would have responded. Oh, well, we wouldn't have protested. Are you sure? Well, we wouldn't have done these destructions. Are you sure? We just don't know. And the other thing that's important to point out of all these people who were protesting and, 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 and the acts of violence, the fires, the acts, the assaults, all that, those were, please know, that's a minority. That doesn't represent Team Hillary, okay? It really doesn't. You have plenty of people who are Hillary supporters thinking, please stop doing this. You're making us all look ridiculous. Please stop doing this. But you had people who responded that way. Why? Why? Because there's some people, some portion of that, that team Hillary, some, some number of people who found, their, who found a home with this campaign. They found their sense of community wrapped up in Hillary Clinton's campaign. They found a sense of not just community, but mission. We have this agenda together, right? We're going to work towards whatever it is you fill in the blank. We're going to work towards you know, uh, further reforming health care. We're going to work towards immigration issues. We're going to work towards poverty issues. And we're going to address these things together. We're part of a community. We're part of a mission together. And people found their sense of identity wrapped up in this candidate and what she stood for and what she stands for. People who are willing to wear shirts, I'm with her. People going to rallies and concerts, yay, it's Hillary Clinton. You tell me they weren't worshiping her? Some of them were. Was it any different for Donald Trump team? Team Trump? Same kind of thing there, all right? Same kind of thing was happening there. People who found their sense of community with Team Trump, people who found their sense of mission, we're going to make America great again, right? That's what we're going to do. Is they found their sense of mission there. They found their sense of community there. They found their sense of identity there. They're wearing the red hats. They're putting the signs in their lawns, and they're saying, this is the man who's going to fix things. Team Hillary is saying, no, this is the woman who's going to fix things. Tell me that's not worship. Because here we are, and here's the thing. It's not just that we have a need for worship. We also have this, this uh, you might disagree with me, we need a savior. We want someone to fix our problems and solve the issues for us. And so many people looked to one of these candidates and said, Hillary's the one who's going to fix our country, who's going to take what's wrong with it and save us. No, it's the other guy who's going to save us. Now, let me make a little side point here, and this really isn't related to today's message directly, but, but it's just kind of a, a problem with this two-party system, okay? We've talked about the fact that the nation seems to be divided. Hey, we've got to divide a nation. We've got to divide a nation. Well, really, we have a two-party system. We're almost set up for division in this way. If, you only, if you get, you've got two options, you've got to pick one of them. We're going to be divided, right? 
I mean, if there were only two football teams, the Eagles and the Cowboys, this nation would be divided, right? Wouldn't they? Who are we going to be with? And so that's just kind of side, side point there. But you see so many people, they found their sense of community, their sense of mission, their sense of identity, and the thing to worship in their candidate, in the, the specific team, Team Hillary, Team Trump. And it's a problem. And that's why for the next four to eight years, we're going to have people who are part of Team Hillary that anything Donald Trump does, they're going to say, well, this is a bad decision, this is terrible for our country, and he's ruining our nation, and he's going to drag us into World War III, and he's a horrible person, and he's terrible, and he's terrible, and he's terrible. And that's why for the next four to eight years, we're going to have Team Trump supporters saying, Donald Trump's the best, he's the best around, he's the best president we've ever had. No matter what he does, his supporters are going to, he can blow up half the nation. Well, you know, he had a good reason to do that. So, I mean, you're going to see that. Because people tend to worship these figures. Why? Because they have power, because they're known, because they have a level of fame. Did you watch the conventions? What in the world? I'm watching this thinking, is this WWE? Is this like a concert? This is our democratic process? This is how we choose a president? It's so bizarre. And you see how dangerous it is when we human beings have these needs satisfied by a political party. Our need for community, and not just a political party, but a specific, a specific movement based on a person, right? Based on Clinton or based on Trump. When you find that need for community, that need for mission, that need for identity, that need for something to worship found in your candidate, wow, that's, that's dangerous. And it seems ridiculous to us. And I know, like, you know, it's for me to suggest that people are actually, like, worshiping these candidates seems crazy. Because I don't know, I, I don't think anybody's going to bed at night and saying their prayers, oh, praying to Donald Trump, oh, praying to Hillary Clinton. I don't think that was happening, okay? I'm not saying it like that. But I still think there was an element of worship going on there. In ancient Rome, they had a whole bunch, or I'm sorry, in ancient Egypt, let's talk about Egypt. In ancient Egypt, they had a whole bunch of gods that they created, a whole bunch of gods that they worshipped. And among the gods was their king that they called Pharaoh. Okay, so Pharaoh was a big old title. It meant more than just your ruler, more than just your king, more than just your dictator. He was also a god. And so they looked to their political leader, their government leader. They looked to their ruler, and they worshipped him as a king. Pharaoh grew up believing he was a god. They worshipped him as a god. He believed he was a god. The way that you became Pharaoh is your dad was Pharaoh. And so you'd grow up in a nice house, right? And you'd have some power, and you were taught that you were a god, and then you'd become a man and say, well, I guess I'm a god, right? And the people worshipped Pharaoh as a god. Why? Was it because they were so different? From, I mean, you and I, we're modern-day people. We're, we're educated. We're intelligent. We would never do something that ridiculous. Is that why they worshipped this man as a god? I don't think so. I think it's because all of us have this desire. I mean, I'm sure, I, I can't prove this, so I shouldn't say I'm sure, but I really believe that back in those ancient Egyptian times, there were people saying, this guy's not a god. Are you kidding me? He's a man like you and me. He's just a human being. But see, that logic was just like kind of overridden by this need. We've got to worship somebody. We've got to worship something. Hey, look at that guy. He's got lots of money. He's got lots of power. Let's worship him. Well, of course, we better or he might, you know, smite us, <laughs> might kill us. He had that kind of power. So we have this need to worship, this need for community, this need for identity, this need for purpose, this need for mission. You know, Tom read for us the scripture passage that, that takes place um, in the book of Exodus, this is a, a crazy time. Now, now, the nation of Israel, they sort of became a nation as slaves in Egypt under the rule of this you know, guy who thought he was a god, under the rule of Pharaoh. And so, through a series of miracles, 
or disasters, depending on which side you're on, you saw them as miracles or disasters, the, the Israelites, they fled from their slavery. God did these wonderful things, these terrific things, these horrific things, these plagues, these ten plagues that came down in Egypt. If you've seen the movies, if you've read the Bible, you know a little bit about this. And so God did this wonderful, miraculous, supernatural, I mean clearly supernatural, not just a series of coincidences. He did this supernatural thing where, the, where he brought the Israelites out of slavery and he parted the Red Sea and you see the water on both sides and they passed through and he did this amazing, amazing, amazing thing. The one true God who, by the way, identified himself as I am. You guys know about that? Some of you know about that. Moses was talking to guys, well, what's your name, God? Who should I say sent me? He says, I am, which is a very clear reference to the fact that the other gods are not. <laughs> they aren't I am. And so the great I am, the one true God, does all these wonderful things. And Moses, you know, through God's power, leads these people out, and now they're free. And Moses goes to have a chat with God on the mountaintop. And while he's gone, the people say, where is this guy? Does he abandon us? We don't know if he's coming back. The scripture passage that's in your bulletin there. We don't know about this Moses fellow. We don't know about this dude, what his agenda is, where he's going. And so they go to Aaron, who is Moses' brother, who is somebody who should have known better. said, you need to make us some gods. You need to. You need to make us some gods. Why did he have to do that? Because they needed to worship something or someone or somebody. And so they brought their gold and their earrings and all their stuff. They brought it to Aaron. He melted it down and he made a calf. And they worshipped it as a god. But not only that, look what it says in your bulletin. Not only did they worship this thing, they gave this thing that they made credit. This is the one. This is the god that freed us from our slavery. Are you kidding me? How, how, how can you disconnect? Like, what, what kind of disconnected logic is this? You just made this thing, and now you're giving it credit for doing something that happened in the past. Like, how could this thing have done that? Well, the need was so strong. The need for a hero, the need for a savior, the need for someone or something to worship that they say, well, we got to make something. Listen, people, I know it's different. I know it's like thousands of years after the fact, but human nature, there's something about human nature that just hasn't quite changed. We still have this need to worship someone or something more powerful than ourselves. This need is born within us to worship. So who should we worship? <laughs> Let me take a pause here for a minute. I mean, what am I even talking about today? I'm talking about community. I'm talking about mission. I'm talking about identity. I'm talking about worship. Why are we talking about these things? I mean, there's so much else going on in this nation. We're supposed to be doing this series of like healing a divided nation. There's so many big issues going on. There's racism. There's ageism. There's sexism, there's poverty, there's, there's violence, there's the education system problems. Shouldn't we be talking about these things? I mean, these are the issues of our day. Shouldn't we be addressing these issues? Well, I tell you what, before we can, before we can approach those very important issues, we as a nation, we need to get ourselves centered. We need to get ourselves grounded. Because I tell you what, and hopefully you're the exception to this, but as a nation, collectively, overall, we are so easily rattled, aren't we? Distraught, angered, offended, devastated, so easily rattled. And I believe the reason we're so easily rattled is because we have found satisfaction for all these needs in the wrong places, the need for community, the need for mission, the need for identity, the need for someone to worship. We've found those needs satisfied in the wrong place. So let's first get ourselves centered. 
Let's figure out these things. Who should we worship? What's, who, 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 who am I? What's my identity? What's my mission? Who am I a part of? Let's figure out these things. Let's get ourselves grounded, and then we can start thinking logically about all these other important issues. That's why we're talking about this today. And so who should we worship? Oh, come on. You guys are in a church service. Who am I going to say? Ugh. Come on. Hey, there we go. The answer is always Jesus, right? <laughs> But you think about it this way. Now I, now, I get it. Like I said, I've been in places where I'm excited to see somebody or I'm excited to see my favorite band or excited to see a celebrity or excited. You know, you get that way. That's fine. But if you're going to worship someone, if you're going to worship someone, can you think of someone better to worship than the living God who created everything? You know, Jesus Christ, the thing that we learn about Jesus is that he's one with God the Father. He's one with God the Spirit. Through Jesus... And this is like this Trinity thing is complicated to understand. I'm not claiming to, to have it all figured out. But somehow through Jesus, everything was created. He created the world and then he saved us. That's amazing. That's amazing. Who should we worship? Why not, why not Jesus? Why not him? Well, we can't see him. I can see Donald Trump. I can see Hillary Clinton. I can see my favorite band. I can see my baseball star. Why? No, no, no. How about, how about him? And let me just tell you something that's a little bit ironic about Jesus and the kind of worship he received during his lifetime. I'm thinking about what we call Palm Sunday. There was this day where Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and the people were all worshiping him. They were all praising him. And the reason they were praising him is because they needed a new political king. And so they worshiped him, but they worshiped him for the wrong reason. He said, oh, you want me to free you from Rome? Okay, well, you're thinking too small. I'm here to free you from sin and death. Okay? And they were disappointed by that. And so they had him crucified. But he did something much bigger. He gives us life. He created this world and he gives us eternal life. He's made it possible for us to be united with God the Father in heaven for all of eternity. Let's worship him. Now, of course, depending on where, if you, don't, if you don't know God, if you're not sure about this God, if you're at a place where you're not sure you even believe in God, well, you've got to take a few steps back and try to investigate those things first and have those questions satisfied before you can worship Him. But I tell you what, that's what we believe. A big shocker here at, the, at this church, we believe that we should be worshiping the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all that He's done for us. You need to find a sense of identity of who you are. Let me tell you who you are in God's eyes. You are precious. <laughs> you are loved with an unconditional love. The New Testament tells us that there is nothing in all of creation, in the physical world, in the spiritual world that could separate you from the love of God. If you need to find an identity somewhere, why don't you find it in your relationship with God? You are his daughter. You are his son. You are precious to him. You can find your identity in your job or your political party and all that stuff, but oh, I find my identity in Jesus. Now, that requires intentionality, finding your identity and your relationship with the living God. You are loved so dearly. There is nothing God wouldn't do for you. That's what the Scripture tells us. Nothing, and there's nothing that could separate us from that love. Why not find your identity there? You need a mission? You need a mission to fulfill in this world? I believe that you do. You've got this sense of mission. You want to do something worth doing with your life? I mean, all of us, we want to do something worth doing with our lives. You need a mission to engage in? Why not God's mission? Another one of these beliefs that's absolutely central to our church is that we believe that God is on a mission in this world, and He has been throughout all of human history. He is active. He's not sitting back. God is active, and He is engaged in this mission, and the mission is a rescue mission to rescue humankind from ourselves. 
to rescue humankind from the sin and death that, that we deserve. Like it or not, that's what the Bible tells us. It's a tough pill to swallow, but the Bible tells us we're all fall short of God's standards, and here comes God to save us from ourselves, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We couldn't earn forgiveness. We couldn't pay back the debt that we owe God, and so Jesus has done this on our behalf, and he offers this gift to all of humankind and those who receive it. He welcomes into heaven when we die. That's, that's a mission that God is on right now, further spreading this message, further spreading this information. If you need to do something worth doing with your life, if you need a mission, why not that one? God has invited you to participate in that mission. You need a sense of community. You need a people. Why not the church? Why not church? You know, church, that word has been made to use, you know, we, we, we misuse it. We think of so many different things when we think of church, but really when we go back to the way that Jesus used the word church, it's a community of people. We are his people. We are his movement. The church is the movement of Jesus Christ in the world. If you need a community, why not, why not make it the church, your local church? Now, some of you in this room, you've experienced that, that, that sense of community. You've had that need met in this church. And that's awesome. And I'm not talking about just showing up on a Sunday morning and listening to somebody talk and singing some songs. I'm talking about the thing where you're able to help other people who are in this community, where you're able to receive help from your brothers and sisters in this community, to have that sense of community filled, fulfilled in the church. What a wonderful thing. And that doesn't just happen overnight. And there's some people, you can go to this church for all, you know, four and a half years that we've been around and not quite be at that level of community yet, but I encourage you to take that next step to, towards building community right here. Get to know people. Join the prayer request team. Join the hospitality team. Receive that help. If you need help, let somebody know. You got information in your bulletin. Here's the prayer team. Here's the hospitality team. You've got my information. Let us know. We want to be your community. Let me just say that. And I know that's, you know, for those of you who were like me, who grew up in Delco and you had some kind of idea of church thing, like church was just the thing you did, and you kind of like, you had your real friends, and then you had your church people that you hung out with, and neither the twain shall meet, right? No, 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 What's, that's what we're about here. We want this to be your community. You've got that need for community. You've got that need for mission, that need for identity, that need for someone to worship. Bottom line, I feel like we need to find all those needs met in Jesus Christ. Then we're grounded. <laughs> then we're centered. Hey, guess who won the election? Guess who lost? Doesn't matter. I'm still grounded in Jesus Christ. I'm still worshiping him. My hope is still in him, no matter what. So first step towards solving all these other big problems in our nation is we, who, call, who have the audacity to call ourselves Christians, we need to get grounded in Jesus Christ and find all of our needs met there. Then we can be lights in this world and address and solve some of these other issues. It all starts with Jesus. Jesus is the answer. <laughs> Jesus is the answer. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for, for knowing us. Thank you for knowing our, our human weakness. Um, you know, God, we have these needs. We need community, we need mission, we need identity, we need someone to worship, and, and sometimes, you know, we just get confused. We find satisfaction for those needs in the wrong places, and, and Jesus, we just want to turn to you as the ultimate one who can meet all of those needs. And so, Father God, as we move forward, cause us to think and, and just be very intentional, because God, you know us. If we're not intentional, we're going to end up worshiping someone or something else. 
And so bring us the discipline and intentionality that we need to put you in that spot, the spot that you deserve, the place of worship. Father God, as, as we go into this week and all that's going to unfold in this country and this, this transition of power, we just uh, we want to agree with the prayers that Sean lifted up earlier. Please allow this to be a peaceful transition of power. There are a lot of angry people. There's a lot of emotion on both sides, a lot of anger on both sides. And we just pray that you would intervene and bring a spirit of peace upon all of these proceedings. Lord Jesus Christ, we are your people, and we want to be agents of good and peace and healing in our community. Please allow that to be so. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.